Welcome and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites or SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, the Vice President of Site Engagement with SCRS. SCRS Talks allows our partners and those that we work closely with to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern, share exciting achievements, and to learn more about our community. Today, we have Boucher Rucker, the Local Study Associate Director in the Oncology Unit at AstraZeneca, here with us, sharing some of the insights, learnings, and information gleaned from a session that she was part of at the Just Executed Oncology Site Solution Summit down in Austin, Texas. This session focused a lot on budgets, what sites are doing in this space, and how we can learn from each other to a to improve budgets and adjusting costs for inflation. Bushra, thanks for being here with us today. We're really excited to talk about this subject with you. But before we get into the questions, I'd love to learn a little bit about you and what you do at AstraZeneca. Thank you, um, Jimmy. So yeah, I'm I'm Bushra Rucker. I work at AstraZeneca. Um, I have been at AstraZeneca since about 2000. Um, I have um, left AstraZeneca and came back and left AstraZeneca and came back. So this uh, current stint, I've been back now for eight years. Um, and yes, I have been working in the oncology space for the past 17 years um, in that space. So as a local study associate director, um, generally what I do is manage studies from start to finish uh, locally in the U.S. And that encompasses anything from the operation standpoint um, of the study, including budget reviews, um, while we do have budget and contract negotiators that manage the budgets for our sites, as a local study associate director, I'm also I'm responsible for reviewing those budgets and agreeing to the costs, um, especially high costs that come back from sites and really working um, with the sites and with the um, budget negotiators to come to some sort of agreement on budgets and contracts. Um, and while that's just a little part of what I do, again, um, you know, I literally manage the study from start to finish um, for any of the sites that are participating in the United States. Thanks, Bushra. It's definitely a big job and there's a lot of components to that, but it's great to hear that uh, budgets and contracts are a major focus for you. So, uh, which is exactly what we want to talk about here based on that session that you participated in at the SCRS Global Oncology Summit around how those budgets are changing and evolving based mm -hmm. on current economic conditions. So talk to me a little bit about how budgeting for inflation can be incorporated into a trial budget and what factors should be considered when we talk about it in, in those terms. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think one of the discussions we had at the conference um, was how COVID has affected um, budgets at sites. And so what we're seeing is not only with um, you know, COVID, but inflation that's happened in the past couple of years as well, that budgets are coming in at a much higher cost than what they used to come in in the past. Um, and so I think from the from the perspective of sponsors, I think we have to be mindful of some of the additional costs that sites have incurred, again, especially with COVID, um, some of the resource restraints that they're having in terms of not having the amount of uh, resource available to them. So, you know, People are picking up slack and and really trying to help with getting budgets approved. And um, I think to the point of where now, like a lot of our sites are using WCG as a way to help um, negotiate budgets just to kind of get sort of agreements in place um, and using an, an outsourced company to kind of help with budget negotiations. And, and there are other companies out there that help with that. But at the end of the day, like the costs of 
um, running a clinical trial have gone up substantially and then, you know, internally. And then that also includes with what, what's happening with the sites and the costs at sites have gone up. I mean, we, we are seeing line items where, you know, um, just for example, startup costs have gone up by twenty twenty thousand dollars um and and you know in the past they were way less so really just trying to work with sites and try to understand you know the reason for the and you know the the increase in costs and is it just inflation or are there other um factors that are included um in the cost in the cost of their budgets going up so high absolutely there's definitely been a lot of um discussion uh, as I'm sure you're keenly aware of around what these costs are and why they are increasing for sites. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of factors that I'm sure you, again, understand go into that around uh, the increasing complexity of protocol, the implementation of technology. We don't need to get into yeah. some of those right now, but there's definitely a lot of different uh, components in there. So it's uh, I agree with you in that it's really important for us all to understand what those increased costs are. But from a site perspective, it's also un important that you, as a, again, as a site, understand what those costs are and how to justify them. It, it, it's important for us not just to say we need more money, but for yeah. us to justify and be able to provide the backing and the information for what those increased costs are. Agreed. And I mean, uh, so we we do have some sites that are providing us um, some detailed information around um the the costing structure and the reason for the increases and that has been super helpful because um you know when we when we get those documents we can provide those to our budget negotiators and say you know there's going to be some increases in cost at this particular site and here's the justification for that and now we don't always necessarily have to agree to the cost but at least it gives us a starting point and um you know, some guidance in terms of the type of conversations that we want to have with a site when they provide us those those types of documents because we understand where the cost is coming from, but we also have budgets that we have to stay within. And so we really want to have those um, organized conversations with the right people on the call to kind of, you know, really understand, is this something that is negotiable or not negotiable? Um, and the other side of it too, is I think a lot of sites, especially during COVID, um, have invested a lot of money in into systems to allow for remote monitoring, to allow for their site staff to even work remotely. Um, and so I think, again, maybe part of it is trying to recoup that cost, but it's it's a valid cost, right? So, I mean, somewhere it has to be picked up and it's, and it's done, you know, the systems that have been put in place have been there to help us to continue to run studies during COVID. And so why would they not continue to use those, those systems post COVID? A lot of great points there, Bushra, and I appreciate that. And I do want to dive into the uh, point that you had brought up around communication and and that two-way street and collaboration. So what role do those two things, effective communication and collaboration between sites and sponsors, play really in developing and managing a successful trial budget? I mean, so my, my motto is communication in clinical research is key across the board. Um, there's there's so much that happens in, in the research space. Um, and if you're not having that open dialogue with sites, then you you are setting yourself up for failure, honestly. Um, and with budgets, again, it's it's really, really important to have the proper communication with the with the right people. So a lot of times when we're building budgets, 
um, our budget negotiator will send it to a contact person at the site. The contact person at the site might not be the person that can make the final decision on a budget. Um, and then there's a, you know, you get this back and forth and back and forth. Whereas if somebody's involved early on, um, you can get the right people on the phone to have a conversation. Um, a, a lot of times we rely on email to try and get things done. And, and that for budgets does not work um, because it's big spreadsheets. You know, there's a lot of conversation that needs to be held. Um, you know, the Medicare analysis plan in some cases a hold up for some sites. And so sites come back and will utilize what's, you know, negotiated from the Medicare analysis plan. And so communicating with the proper people at the site is what's going to help push the budgets along faster and get the agreements that you need from the sites and from the sponsor and or CRO um, in a timely manner. Um, Again, in oncology, the studies, you know, some of the studies are pretty straightforward. You have a, a phase three study. It's a pretty straightforward study and budget negotiation is not as complex. It's still complex, but not as complex, complex. But when you have like platform trials or basket studies, I mean, there's multiple arms within those studies and each arm has to have their own budget negotiated for that particular arm. It becomes very, very difficult. So if you're not communicating with the proper people at the site, it's just going to be a disaster. I couldn't agree more. There's so much truth to that, those, those statements. And that's not just across budgets and contracts. I know we're here talking about budgets, but that communication is so important that opening those doors for two-way communication and making sure that we structure our communication channels in ways that work for both parties, right? Maintaining one or few as few as possible communication points of contact for the site and the same vice versa for the sponsor and CRO, having that one person at the site that they can go to for those discussions so that we can maintain effective communication, I think is so critical to uh, executing some of the processes with our clinical trials, especially with the budgets. A lot of people yeah. today's day and age don't uh, understand, but I resonate pretty strongly with the point that you pick up the phone. If you're going back and forth and there's a lot of adjustments and negotiation and discussion that needs to happen, there's no better way to do that than through the phone, right? Get out of get out of the portals and the document uh, budget negotiation tools and and have some uh, reasonable discussion about what this means for you um, and that you can be either side of the relationship. I, I couldn't agree more. And again, the point, the one point of contact, I think, is really important as well. So, you know, and that one point of contact, not just for that particular trial, but if you have somebody that can negotiate all of your oncology trials in the breast space, then it's then they understand the budgets. And it's not every every time you're going um, to the site or the sponsor with the budget, somebody else is looking at it and doesn't understand or um or realize that certain costs have already been pre-negotiated and you know are not going to change that much. So if the site can have a point of contact and the sponsor and or CRO can have the one point of contact to negotiate all of the budgets within that disease area, um, I think that is that is super helpful as well. I mean, that is the direction that we're going is having, you know, one point of contact um, internally here to negotiate with a particular site across all oncology budgets in a disease in a disease area. And it's it's been super helpful um, having that set up. That's great. So how then can sites assure that they're adequately compensated for their time and resources while still maintaining that 
concept of a competitive and region reasonable budget when they're working with their sponsors. And again, thinking about this and discussing it in the context of this these evolving conditions when we're when we're talking about how budget costs are going up and you know we think about things like inflation. Yeah, this is a, it's a tricky one, right? Because um I, I think when when sites think of their budgets, um, you know, they're thinking of their budget. And when we think of budgets, we're thinking of our budget, right? So we have a budget that is provided to us um that we're we're meant to use across sites. And so um, you know, some sites it's not a problem because they're, you know, they're a smaller site. They, you know, they kind of just pretty much agree to the budgets that we provide to them. And then we have other sites that are the large academic centers that are extremely expensive to work with, but they are, you know, they're going to provide, you know, the patient population that we're looking for on a lot of our trials, right? So um, when we're looking at budgets and, you know, when I was at this, when I was at the CRO that I worked at, and also as I work here now at AstraZeneca, when we build budgets for oncology, you have a high, medium, and low, um, and we tend to always um, go high in the oncology budget. So we're already starting off at the highest point that we would really like to see a budget, um, the budget dollars at. Um, so when we're negotiating with some of the larger institutions, and they're their budget dollars are much higher than the budget dollars that we've already established for the study. It's it's kind of difficult because you want to stay within your budget, realizing that the sites also have a budget that they need to that they need to use. So, I mean, one of the things I think that's helpful is to have either like a costing matrix where we already have um, an idea of what some of these larger institutions are going to bill us for. Um, certain uh, certain fees like the administrative fees, you know, startup, pharmacy setup, IRB fees, et cetera. So if we have an idea of what that looks like, um, it makes it a little bit easier because we can go back to the team and say, for these particular sites, we know they're going to come in higher than our high. Um, and how can we just agree to that high cost as opposed to, you know, trying to go back and forth and negotiate the dollar down, especially if it's not more than $5,000 more than what you, you see on your high end. Um, but that that's helpful. Um, I think sites need to understand. I don't think sometimes sites really understand the budget ramifications from the sponsor as well. So really trying to educate the people that we're working with at sites to say, you know, we are already providing you our high cost budget. How can we work to get your numbers closer to our high cost budget? Um, it works for some sites. It doesn't necessarily work for others. That's an interesting perspective, Bushra, because it's. I imagine that it's a little bit of a of a of a give and take, right? Or if you mm -hmm. want to use that kind of term, because there are probably organizations, and and, and I'm. It's probably a fact that there are organizations out there from the sponsor and CRO perspective that don't take that approach. They don't take the we've capped our budget out. This is as much money as we can give you. We promise this is the high end. Again, you're probably right in that there are a lot of sites where certain aspects of that budget probably aren't high enough for them. So there's some adjustment that needs to be had and we don't need to dive down that path because I think we could probably talk about it forever. But right. what I'm, I, I want to go back to that point I was making around the, the give and take there a little bit because you have to balance the speed and agreeance timelines of a budget with the 
the rapidity and the desired speed for executing that clinical trial and not getting caught up in this budget and contract negotiation process for the order of several weeks or even months sometimes that we know we experience because that's just delaying the trial. And it's no secret to the entire enterprise that the longer a trial takes to delay, the more expensive it ends up being for the sponsor and CRO. And then in turn, unfortunately, the more expensive it is for future patients trying to trying to um, ascertain that medication that uh, ultimately ends up being approved, uh, fingers crossed for that. So it is it is kind of this catch-22. 20 you might end up, you know, maximizing your budget at the sponsor or CRO level, but is that then going to pay off in terms of that trial being to execute that much faster because there's less negotiation uh, timelines that need to be in place? So it is an interesting dynamic that I'm sure a lot of companies look at very closely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why the costing matrix helps, right? So a costing matrix, you know, we can pull previously negotiated rates that we've had with the site and say, you know, this is, this is what we negotiated with you on the most recent contract. Um, how far off are we looking at your fees raising being raised from this most recently negotiated contract, right? But I agree with you. I mean, our end goal is to get sites up and running between 90 and 120 days from when we provide them the reg pack and the budget and contract. Um, and the reason for that is really to give them the longest amount of time to enroll patients onto the trial. Cause you're right. If we, if we take, you know, 300 days to get a site up and running and in some cases that does happen and it has happened, um, they are not going to have a long time to enroll. I mean, I've had sites that have, we've got, you know, finally got them opened up and they've had four months to enroll a patient, but that's not even, and, and even if they enroll one or two patients, Imagine if they had opened that site up, you know, if we had agreed to the budget, uh, the budget and gotten them reg approver, approval, you know, six months prior, that would have given them, you know, 12 months to enroll a patient or or what have you, as opposed to four months. So and you and you also get situations where you end up having to close a site because it took them so long to to get through the process um, that by the time they got through the process, enrollment you know, the study met its enrollment goals. So the budget is a big um, issue because it it holds up sites um, longer than it ne- it should. If you think about, if you think about it, it should not take 200 days to negotiate a budget. Um, and so we have to do better at just thinking outside of the box to try and come up with ways to, to negotiate budgets faster. And so again, the costing matrix has, proved to be somewhat helpful for us because we can go to sites and say this is what we pre-negotiate this is what we negotiated with you six months ago um can we just plug these costs into this current budget and and agree and a lot of sites have been very good at agreeing um to that with us and then the other piece of it like i said is if the sites um can provide us upfront documentation in terms of the reasons that their costs have gone up so high, then it allows for us to have the proper conversations with the proper people internally to say, this is what we're looking at for this large academic institution. And so, you know, we need to either agree or we need to get the the right people on the phone to have a conversation um, with the site and internally with our budget and contracts team. Thanks for that insight, Bushra. I imagine it's also a good piece of advice 
four sites that are coming away from this conversation to understand, you know, your um, AstraZeneca's ideal turnaround timelines and, and, you know, finalizing negotiations, as you said, 90 to 120 days. Sites mm-hmm. that meet or exceed that timeline are probably the ones that you're going to go back to and work with again. And the ones that are consistently outside of that are likely sites that, uh, given the choice, obviously, um, and the ability might be a little bit lower on the next study site selection list. So a uh, word to the wise uh, to our research sites out there that keep those kinds of things in mind. I think these um, the budget negotiation matrixes, as you called them, might be a good thing for our sites to maintain as well. And yeah. I do know a lot of their CTMS systems that they use um, to help them facilitate some of this budget ne- negotiation uh, processes and the, the manage the site level finances uh, have the ability for them to do that. And sites can pull rate cards for, you know, for us, right? Like they can pull rate cards and they can say this is kind of what our rate is. But a lot of sites are hesitant to do that because they don't want to get held to that price. And so it's really, again, um, educating the site to say, you know, like if you provide us a rate card, at least we have a good starting point. And if your rates change in nine months, provide us the updated rate card, because then we can enter that into an internal system and know that this is the potential for a, a charge that we're going to get from your site. And I'm, I think that would help. But again, you know, a lot of sites are very hesitant to provide that rate card because they don't want to get held to it. Excellent. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for those insights as well, Bushra. Um, I want to begin to wrap us up here and end our conversation around some of the takeaways that you and some of the others might have been able to glean from that specific session that you were part of at the Oncology Summit or any other maybe key points that you'd like to reiterate for the sites that are listening. Yeah, I mean, I think from the summit itself, it was very clear to me that sites are frustrated, right? Like sites are frustrated that you know, it's difficult to get agreement, if if you will, on some of the budget dollars that they are um, trying to put into place. Um, they're frustrated because they are resource strained and, um, you know, they, you know, they're, <laughs> they're feeling, you know, kind of overwhelmed and overworked. I mean, that was very clear from, from the um, meeting that we had there. Um, and, and from that, I mean, I just think we have to do better and we need to do better um, and really try to understand, you know, some of the cost increases, especially post-COVID, and not be so nitpicky, if you will, um, in terms of some of the items that are coming to us from sites. And really just having a better understanding, um, you know, in terms of where some of these costs are coming from is helpful. So again, I, I mean, I said it before, but if a site can provide us, you know, a document that shows, you know, here's the reason why we have these cost increases. And this is, you know, why we're adding X, Y, and Z to our budgets when we didn't have these in the past, then it makes for a much easier conversation. But from the summit, I think, I mean, there's a lot more conversation that could be held around budgets, right? But I mean, you could just tell that, you know, sites were frustrated. And so as sponsors and as CROs, I think we have to do better to ease them of some of that frustration. Thank you, Bushra. And it it does go back to that open communication and making sure that we as a partnership are comfortable with having those conversations, even though they are sometimes tough and we feel that they become very um, 
one v one, it's important that we break down those barriers, uh, pick up the phone uh, or write the email and have those have those again conversations around this process so that we can execute this as quickly as possible, ultimately saving everyone money in the end. Agree. Well, thank you uh, so much for being here with us today. Thanks for the really awesome insights around this process. I hope that our listeners were able to glean some takeaways, some tips, some tricks, or even just some things to think about the next time that they're working with one of their partners and negotiating a budget and a contract. So again, thank you for sharing your knowledge and insights with us today. You're welcome. Um, For everyone listening, make sure you register for upcoming summits being held throughout the year by visiting our summit page. While you're on our website, myscrs.org, be sure to check out other publications built for the community in the publications section of our website as well. We appreciate your participation and listening to today's program and look forward to having you join us for more great content in the future. Thanks again for listening. And Jimmy, I just just